Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah. by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Okay, and the caller number is 929-477-2759. We got you locked and loaded for the next 50 or more minutes or so. We got a lot to get into. I'm going to try to unpack as much as I can. If if it does get crazier here, I'm going to extend it. But if not, I know what we got is enough to fill this doggone show. Food for thought. Hopefully they could do these dishes. I have calling in from the Midwest region of the United States of America. Mr. Harvey is in the building. Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Man, I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure and a privilege to be alongside, man. We've been fighting COVID in the Harvey household, man. It's still a thing. But I think we're on the uptick now, man. So it's a pleasure to join you and be alongside as always. Good morning, my brother. How are you? I, I was that was me last week. Uh, uh, lost my voice Sunday. Really, I, I battled back Monday and had to get back into the situation as of Tuesday. But I feel like I'm on the mend. So everybody across the glo- well, the country. Let me not say the globe, but the country is going through some crazy stuff. And oh yeah, surprising enough, it's a storm going across the country from California all the way to Maine. And California, Southern California, is getting snow. So this is just a crazy time in the world with atmosphere and everything that we got to fight through. So as my mom would say, make sure you get your citrus. So keep keep some of that lemon around, some lime or orange, or something to help you get back in there. And whatever you need to do, stay clear of 
a lot of people if you can, because that could be something that you could be passing or other people could be giving to you. So that's the best way I could put it. Um, this is one crazy situation of a day. As much as I have the uh, round ball as a topic, and I, I'm going to get into a lot of that right now. Breaking news for City. I don't know if you have been under a tree, under a rock. I know I've got to give it to you now. Manny Mercado has just signed a deal for $350 million with the Padres. And not only did he get the deal that just happened right now, he was the first player to get caught with the time clock situation in baseball. So they want people to kind of hurry up instead of taking their time to come up that bat to kind of speed it up and make baseball interesting. Um, but, Mike, your thoughts on Mikado's deal? And uh, if you want to talk about the time clock situation in baseball, we can. So, Big thing of Machado, it's it's funny because a lot of people, when Manny Machado came out last week and said, I'm going to opt out after this year, everybody started, like, kind of criticizing man for saying that. And it's like, why? Like, that's his right. It was written into his contract. And, you know, him announcing that he w- wanted to opt out basically told the team, you know, look, you got to start thinking past this year. And, you know, uh, the the expression I always heard when I was a kid was a closed mouth don't get fed, right? So he comes out, he says he wants to opt out. So then the team says, well, let's see here. What if we give you, uh, you know, $350 million over 11 years? Would that keep you around? And I think, honestly, Machado saw what Bogarts got and what Turner got and what some of these other guys got and, and believes that he brings that much to a team and that he should be getting paid along those lines. That's why he opted out, right? So now instead of, what, $30 million more per year over the next, say, six or whatever, so he just turned, what, you know, by by opting out or t- announcing that he was going to opt out, he just turned what would have been a guaranteed $180 million to three fifty. Man, that's smart business where I come from. So, uh, listen, the Padres – there's been some talk about how they're going to be able to maintain this kind of payroll. I don't know, but now we know they're going to keep him around uh, long-term. And the San Diego brass is really serious about, for the first time, trying to bring uh, a championship back to that city. So, um, you know, the the ownership is, is giving the team and, and the fans, you know, everything that it needs to be successful. So, you know, we'll see if they can pull it off. But, you know, uh, that's a big for Machado, never going to be in the way of a, of, a, of a man and his money. Uh, so good for him. As far as the pitch clock, man, you know, this is going to be real interesting because it happened in the Braves game yesterday too where the it was a 6-6 game. The guy thought he drew a walk from the Braves that would have uh, put him ahead. And he's, he was looking down at the catcher instead of paying attention to that uh, to that pitch clock. And so he didn't think the catcher was ready, but he wasn't back in the batter's box yet. And so uh, that was a strike three, and the game was over because, you know, they, they let spring training games end in ties. Saw the same thing happen in the LSU baseball game a couple of days ago. You know – the whole reason for this is to try to speed things up and try to keep the game moving and not delay the game. All I can say is I hope that uh, a lot of this stuff gets ironed out in the spring and that we don't 
because I, I don't think that this was the design of the rule to to have a, a game finally decided on this. So uh, hopefully they'll have it ironed out. I would hate to see like a big time play in a World Series or you know when something important is on the line be decided because you know somebody wasn't back in the box at a certain amount of time or whatever else. So hopefully they can get all this ironed out, man. Like. I'm not sure that all these rule changes in this pitch clock and all this is necessary, but uh, I'm interested to see the effects of it, TP. You know what I mean? Like, does it bring more action? Does it it increase uh, movement on the base pass or keep, you know, people running and trying to get things done? Um, does it does it speed the game up a little bit and maybe uh, – you know, does it does it make it more easier to watch? I I don't know. Um, I'm to me, it, there's part of me that wants to say, you know, let's leave the game alone and let it be what it is. But at the same time, I'm I'm willing to watch it and try and see how it kind of evolves and see see what I what I think about it. Like I'm not sure that that every rule change is necessarily bad. So it, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, the one thing that I will say is I think that uh, even if you get a chance, if you, you can catch a little bit of spring training or whatever, it might be a little bit more exciting this year than it's been in a long time because uh, because of these new rules and seeing people try to adjust to them. Yeah, this is the crazy part. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be blunt. I, I feel like you're circling around the situation. I'm going to be for real. I don't like it at all. Um, you know how they always say, if it's not broke, don't fix it. This sport is being played for over a hundred years. And now to speed it up, because I think you're trying to bring excitement to the game. You're going to make the batter rush to swing the bat when they got to kind of calm the pitcher down. That pitcher has momentum up there. Uh, he's throwing that ball at a, you know, a clip of anywhere from 60 to a hundred or a hundred more, you know, miles an hour more. So it's like they got to get ready. You're rushing him up there. He could throw a changeup and break this guy down, or he could throw a fastball and he wasn't ready. Like it takes a lot of effort to get ready for these. These are professional pitchers, let alone these guys are professional batters that got to get ready for it. It just it just really depends on the turnover on if this actually, you know, drops the home run ball out of the game because you know that's what brings people to the stadium. Is people want to see the long ball. They want to have a shot to catch a ball in the outfield and stuff like that. Uh, I really feel like it, it, it was not needed. It, I feel like they are rushing a rule. And uh, for it to add a strike, this is putting batters at a detriment. The pitchers are, are helped by this, or the defense, all, all together. Or you really put the, the batter in a situation where they can actually clobber a fastball that's situated for them. But I don't I don't like it at all. I feel like they really forced this one, and there was no need for them to do this at all. Um, that's just how I feel about this situation in the league at this point in time. It, it, it's not a good idea, at least in my mind. I, I feel like baseball's been going on for too long, for 2023 to be the time that they start doing this at this point in time. Um, the situation with Mercado, though, uh, go ahead. You can say it because I'm about to switch that. Go ahead. Uh, it'll be interesting, though, because I, there are some pitchers that uh, are real creatures of habit, too. They keep wanting to step off and – you know, go back and do all this kind of stuff and, and get into a rhythm. And so I, I definitely see your point to the batter. Um, but I, I think now with certain pitchers, too, it's saying, okay, you have to let go of a pitch in this certain amount of time, too. So I, I'm just curious to see um, who ends up complaining more, batters or pitchers. 
like in the big scheme of things because um hitter is you know they they always say that the the hitting is about timing and and pitching is disrupting timing and so uh, i think that you're going to see uh complaining on both sides of the ledger uh as as we see these rules unfold unfold and i agree with you i'm not sure that it's uh that it's necessary, but just like anything else, I'm I'm so happy to sit back and watch and see what happens. In the Mercado situation with the deal that they got going on right now, um, this bothers me because they just put the deal in front of Darvish. Darvish just came back. Mercado's getting this deal. They just brought in uh, Soto as well. When Tatis gets back into the deal, like they have a lot of mouths to feed right now in San Diego. I'm wondering if they can maintain all of this or will some of these players, you know, end up dropping off. Unless San Diego really has that money to burn and keep these guys around for it. Let's, I want to be fair with a number say like anywhere from three to six years, then I feel like they could bring a, a World Series to San Diego. But I really feel like something's going to happen where they won't be able to pay somebody. And this is going to be tough if San Diego can't keep these guys in-house. Um, again, yeah. with what you tried to add on in the middle of that, I, I just – it just bothers me with the rule situation, especially it being effective. And this could be a situation like uh, you said, and it ended the game already with the strike being given because somebody's trying to, you know, ease themselves into the situation or be calm and, and have patience. They probably, you know, practice swings and so on and so forth and been able to get their, you know, woosah in before they swing the bat. And uh, it is, I feel like this could actually – downplay the uh, MLB season. This is something that I will be watching closely because I feel like they're taking away from the game and the viewer and, and uh, spectators of, of worldwide. You mentioned these uh, contracts in San Diego. That's the, that's the thing is can they sustain it? There's some talk with things around the ballpark that they're you know, continuing to, and the owner has come out and said, you know, listen, end of the day, people can say what they want to, but we're trying to bring a championship here. But you're right. I mean, listen, you just re-signed uh, Darvish. You just gave Bogarts that huge contract. Now you just signed Machado. You know, Tatis signed that 10-year deal just a few years ago. Uh, the the first big question that, that when we're going to find out what's going to happen is going to be Soto, right? Like, I think Soto uh, still under previous contract through next year. Um, and so if there's one mouth to that they are unable to feed first, it'll be Soto and they'll lose him to free agency after next season if they don't, you know, if they start to see that they can't keep everybody around, then, you know, that'll be something to watch. You know, if this team's really good this year and next, and I don't think they're going to do anything with him. Um, but that that'll probably be the first uh, casualty if they can't you know, feed all these mouths. If Soto will leave after free agency after next year. But I think that part of going ahead and getting him locked up along with Bogarts and some of these pieces is to say, you know what, if we were to lose him or if somebody else like the Yankees or somebody else were to outbid us if he were to hit free agency, um, well, then we at least still feel like we have a lot, you know, in the cupboard, so to speak. I really feel like San Diego's doing everything they can to get one back. Forget just to be relevant in the conversation to uh, get to a postseason and see if they can, you know, force an NLCS. I really think, like, they're trying to push right now while these guys have, you know, you know, they're in their limelight of their careers to try and bring one back while they can respect it. Even though there's some people that are up there, you got Carpenter, you got Darvish as well, 
but I really feel like they have a young core, and hopefully they can stay around. If they can stay together, again, like for three to six years, I feel like they're a threat uh, with all of the pieces here. But I don't want money to be the issue where they start losing pieces because they're forcing their hand. But we've seen sports across the board, you know, put the early perspective on it, looking at the Los Angeles Rams doing that with Detroit and sending all of their picks to Detroit and getting the Super Bowl instantly. But now all of the pieces in L.A. have left. It's like now they need those draft picks to kind of rebuild the situation that they've caused. So that early success can end up hurting them in the long run. So the Rams can end up suffering. And this, I don't want this to be a situation where San Diego is making this happen right now and it'd be a long-term disarray, you know, So or people don't, you know, feel as overwhelmed as they were uh, from the beginning of the situation or the beginning of this season, if you will. So that's something that I do want to pay attention to uh, while the season starts. But it, it's, it's, it's February, and we are approaching that bloody month. That's right. And um, Sports City, I'm going to transition from that to uh, the next thing that I have on Slate, which is basketball. The crazy thing about the basketball situation is the March Madness is coming around. Um, I can't lie. I love football like crazy. I love football. I really do. But there is nothing like basketball. There's nothing like it. Nothing. I, I really put basketball ahead of football. I really Just because you do not know what's going to happen. Danny DeVito said it best. He loves basketball because it's the best theater. You don't know what's going to happen next. And there have been buzzer beaters after buzzer beaters after buzzer beaters, and we are in the last couple of days of February. We didn't even get to March yet. So, you know, all of these conference tournaments are going to get played, and, and of course, conference play is being played at this point in time at the end of the season uh, where, you know, everybody's going to be tooth and nail to try to get their position in and uh, conference tournament play before they get ready for the big dance. But there's been some incredible buzzer beaters. There was one in the, the mayhem in Florida with Florida State and Miami. If you didn't hear or see that buzzer beater, please go to YouTube and watch how this went down. Miami hit a three um, with seconds left on the clock. Looked like they were going to win. The guy gets down court and pulls up from just a little bit in front of half court and hit a three just to seal the deal. They're in the middle of Miami. You know Florida State-Miami rivalry. They're throwing the U down and going crazy. And I'm like, this is pandemonium. I thought it was all over. And whoops, there goes another one. Another in-state rivalry, Arizona versus Arizona State. And, of course, Arizona at this point in time is ranked seventh in the nation. Arizona State is not ranked. Arizona is up one. Player hits the free throw. A player from Arizona State catches the ball, and he's it from a little bit beyond half court, nails a three to win by one. And they were in Arizona watching all the Wildcat fans just in a state of shock, can't believe it, and they knew it was a buzzer beater. It wasn't like he left any time on that clock. It, did, it wasn't in his hands. It, it was it was clean, and everybody was aware of it. And the crazy part about it was after the shot is hit, they put the camera on the head coach from Arizona, and his assistant coach is screaming at him like he's the head coach that you should have called timeout and just walked to get ready to start shaking hands and watching Arizona State just just – Enjoy the moment and, you know, in Jubilee. But this is what I'm talking about in March Madness. Like, I got goosebumps right now talking about at least those two where it's, it's happening. It's happening all across the board. You are not safe if you feel like it's a one-possession game at the end of the game. It's just a mystique of basketball when it can happen. That's the one thing I love about basketball is you can be in the game. It doesn't take a drive for you to just continue to watch the offense take it away from you. You know, they could drip the clock if they want. There's a time clock. College, I think it's 30 seconds. But 
It used to be 35, but they got to get a shot up and make, you know, make his offensive defensive game. And uh, nothing but the best theater at this point in time. And we haven't even seen conference tournament play yet or some of the mid-majors make the tournament. So on. it's always like this every year. So, uh, Mike, I can't get in the scores if you want or your thoughts. If you heard of some of these heaves at the end of the game, your thoughts on what's been going on so far, at least in college basketball. There's nothing like the effect it has on fans either. We had a newbie uh, show up in the barbershop one night this week. I had never really seen them before. Shout out to Barbershop on Clubhouse, man. Continue to grow. Uh, good community there. So uh, you ever feel like you come by and check out and be part of the community. But uh, <laughs> who is an Arizona fan? And <laughs> I got a message yesterday because we were uh, in the barbershop late one night just talking basketball and talking sports. And uh, <laughs> I got message yesterday it was like i was at the game today and we lost i'm like did you like that was like past half court they just threw it up and nothing but the bottom of the net and you put it you put it perfect tp like you know, you are not safe <laughs> it is not safe it's uh yeah man that that's uh there's nothing quite as exciting as, uh, you know, especially when it's on the road, like both of these were on the road. Cause you know, like, uh, you know, if it's at home, everything like the stadium goes wild, right? Everybody starts hollering, trying to rush the floor. And but you're on the road and you hit something like that, like just to know, to think about like uh, being on the person that, that threw that ball up there or the person that take that took the shot knowing that you just did something that silenced an entire arena full of people, right? <laughs> and just to throw it up there, just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and to knock that down, but what a special moment. Like, um, the obviously the people that threw it up will never forget it, but, you know, to me, this is one of the remarkable things about sports. Uh, every fan of Arizona on the state, uh, Florida State, and uh, and Miami, uh, will will never forget this moment. No matter how old they are, no matter how long they live, there's certain games and certain stat lines and things they may forget over time, or things may fade. But I promise you this: that those memories of those buzzer beaters yesterday, those will never fade in your mind, no matter how old they get. Again, and there's something that I said that you also said to follow behind it. They were on the road. So watching the crowds come to a hush, everybody in a state of panic, and even me, like if it were my team, I'm looking at the clock like, is there point one on the clock? Like, what can we do? Can we just inbound the ball and get fouled or something? Just to be the team that's actually in a losing situation, and they can't because they know they heard that buzzer go, and it's like there's nothing that could happen other than him miss. And if, when they get sunk, it's like, whoa. Like, when you hear the buzz of the ball in the air, you like, miss. Like, like, and the percentage of that is like, we, you know, it, I think it's highly in favor of the team that's up at the point in time. So, it's like, you just like, yo, just let's see the, how the outcome of this shot falls. And if it does, it's like, what just happened? Like, why didn't they jump in front of him? Why didn't they try to take a foul? Like, so many thoughts run through your head on, why it didn't happen, and, you know, you try to play that as safe as possible at the end of the day. And and this is why, to me, basketball is incredible, and I'm telling you, this bloody month of March is something else. And it's like these guys are playing like this now. 
I can't wait for the month of March to come around. Just just the first week, and and me, even though my team is horrible, I, I mean, I, I don't like to talk about people losing their position or their job. Georgetown, you have to fire Patrick Ewing. There's no way that he should be sitting there. Georgetown should not look this bad for repetitive years. Why this guy has an NBA pedigree, knows so much about the game, and he can't coach these guys to have a double-digit win season, let alone have a winning season. And he's getting top recruits to come through there. He's losing recruits to come through there. I know somebody that comes through the barbershop son wanted to come to Georgetown because he's a a five-star athlete. He's not going to go to Georgetown. He's not going to go there. So uh, I just – it's bad that Patrick looks like this, but it was, I think, about three seasons ago that he did this, and uh, Georgetown actually won the Big East tournament, but I doubt that he can make this happen now. It's unfortunate, but again, like I said, the first to middle of the second week of March is when these tournaments start to go crazy. I I really can't wait, especially me being a Big East guy. That's why I kind of led in with the Georgetown situation. Knowing how incredible the Big East tournament is, knowing how these teams get up for one another, the rivalry, so on and so forth. For me to see it from the Big East spectrum, let alone how crazy it goes in the Big 12 and how they knock off Kansas here and there in that Big 12 uh, championship. Even though it it can happen, Kansas can normally outweigh them and win this, you know, more than more than likely. But Kansas have been, they have been taking their knocks too. But somehow, some way, Bill Self can end up putting it together again after the run that they went through. The Big Ten should be pretty intense too because you don't know who's going to win it. Um, Michigan may rise. Michigan State is falling, especially with the uh, you know the the tragedy that they're going through. Can they ride that wave going through this situation? Um, I, I can't wait for it. All all of the tournaments, Pac-12 or every one you name it. Even the ones that get in by buzzer beaters to end the championship, this this is incredible. This is basketball Christmas to me. When it comes to March and then once college is over, you go right into the playoffs of the NBA. I, I love it. So um, I am going to get into the scores that went down as recent as of yesterday, and uh, we'll get into the NBA and, and close out as best as I can. So Houston, ranked number one in the nation, takes care of business out there in Carolina up against East Carolina, winning 76-57. to Arkansas loses to Alabama with the controversy going on in Alabama right now with the player uh, caught up in a, uh, I, I want to say like a gun transaction, if you will. Uh, they win this matchup 86-83, to and Miller himself actually had 24 points in this situation too. Uh, moving right along, West Virginia loses their matchup to Kansas in a possession. It was 76-74. to um, I tell you, Kansas may hang on to make this interesting throughout the season. They may be a number one seed going into the tournament, but we'll see as conference uh, tournaments play come into play also. Indiana wins their matchup up against Purdue, 79-71. Purdue, is they're bothering me because uh, there's a kid on their team that I, I respect and love how he plays, and they go through him, but it's just the rest of the team has to survive too. This guy is a monster, and they're losing games to an Indiana team, which I can't take too much credit away from Indiana, but I feel like Purdue's the better team, but it is an in-state rivalry. There's a lot of state rivalries that went on uh, throughout this weekend as well. Uh, state line border again with another rivalry. North Carolina unranked, knocks off number six, Virginia, winning this matchup 71-63 to in Chapel Hill. Um, and just like I said, the game that I was talking about, Arizona State wins their matchup against Arizona with a buzzer beater, 89-88. to Please, this might be one of the best heaps in basketball, especially with everything that went on pandemonium, bedlam, whatever words you want to use, it was there. Uh, another matchup 
rivalry matchup with in in, in the uh, in-state battle. You have Texas going into Baylor. Baylor wins this matchup, eighty-one to seventy-two. Um, both of these guys are in the top ten. Baylor was actually ranked ninth. Texas was ranked eighth. Especially the run that they went on to get to this point after their coach got dismissed uh, with all the disarray that was going on there. They lose this matchup in Waco. Uh, Marquette wins their matchup up against DePaul, ninety to eighty-four. Tennessee wins their matchup in blowout fashion. This is disgusting. Tennessee wins 85 to 45 up against South Carolina. Um, Gonzaga wins their matchup up against St. Mary's, 77 to 68. Mark Few, hopefully you could get this ship turned back around. Here goes another one. Like I said, the other buzzer beater, 13th ranked Miami Hurricanes lose at home to Florida State, 85 to 84. If you have not seen that shot that he hit, well, you have to see both shots. So I guess the last. 17 seconds. That's all you need. The 17 seconds of your time. Watch the three get hit by Miami and just watch Florida State race down court and watch the shot that he takes. He shoots it with his legs, kicked out everything. Everything he had into this shot, he nailed it. And it's like supreme basketball. I I, I really have goosebumps talking about it. I I don't have a dog in that fight, only a football. I I love Miami. Um, Another matchup, Big 12 matchup. Kansas State wins their matchup. In Stillwater, up against Oklahoma State, winning 73 to 68. Connecticut, UConn takes care of business up against St. John's, winning that matchup 95 to 86, being 18th ranked in the nation. Um, Villanova, unranked, uh, wins at home up against Creighton, 79 to 67. San Diego State wins on the road up against New Mexico, 73 to 71. Uh, also, Oklahoma wins their matchup in Big 12 play, 61 to 50. TCU wins their matchup in a one-point game. Look, I'm telling you, it's incredible across the board. Uh, TCU wins up against Texas Tech in-state battle, Big 12 battle, 83-82, to one-point game differential. And to round out the top 25, Mississippi State unranked beats a 25th-ranked seed Texas A&M, 69-62 in Mississippi. No one is safe, especially at this point in time. I thank God for this because you live when I, I, I speak for myself. You live for the moment where you see the parody and, uh, you know, teams being the underdog, and you're like, I hope they could win. Like, make this a game, or what could they do if they're eight points or better underdogs? Like, they don't really have a shot to win, but they can make it a game or, you know, stay within the the realm of, uh, you know, covering, so on and so forth. These guys are actually winning the game and pushing it tooth and nail. I could not wait for this day in basketball to happen. We've already seen the day, I want to say three or four years ago, it might have been four, that we'd have, we've seen a 16 seed knock over number one seed and Virginia losing to Maryland, Baltimore County. And then the next year, Virginia took that energy and won the national championship. Anything can happen in basketball. I really, really love this sport, like especially watching this stuff happen now. Like, like at this point in time, incredible. Um, Mike, your thoughts on any other scores or games that I mentioned before moving on. Yeah, so, I mean, you're right. Nobody's safe. Uh, there's definitely parity in college basketball. Uh, you mentioned Mississippi State knocking off A&M, uh, those two buzzer beaters. Another one uh, from yesterday that was crazy to me, Michigan State had a 10-point lead on Iowa with a minute to go yesterday. And Iowa came back, forced overtime, and won the game in overtime. They were down 10 with a minute to go. And, and so, it's, like you, you said it earlier, you are not safe. 
And that's another game yesterday. You know, Tom Izzo and his crew, they don't normally lose games like that. But to be up 10 with a minute to go and still end up losing that game in overtime, just another crazy crazy, uh, happening in the sport. Uh, and like you, man, my my team, uh, my my favorite team is not uh, is not very good this year either. Uh, they just lost the basement battle in the SEC yesterday, so uh, tough times in Baton Rouge and uh, in, in men's basketball. Women's uh, is different, but uh, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, this this sets up real nice. We got one more, uh, you know, in the major conferences. You got one more week of regular season action, and then. You know, we get into tournament play, but you know, in some of those mid-major tournaments, and we've seen some, uh, we've seen some teams do damage uh, coming out of those mid-major tournaments. So, uh, starting this week, uh, you're gonna start seeing people start to punch their tickets to March Madness, the Sun Belt, and a lot of other leagues. Uh, you know, start their conference tournaments this week. So, uh, if you're looking for, you know, you're looking for college basketball and March Madness, it is definitely, uh, it is definitely kicking off. And and listen, you know, all over the TV, all over your streaming platforms, wherever you want to look, there's definitely a product to be consumed. And and listen, this this one sets up to be as exciting as anybody. You just can't tell, like. We were just talking a couple of days ago, once again, in the shop about how North Carolina has been really disappointing this year, coming off a title and bringing back a lot of people and still very much underachieving. Yeah, they they win yesterday. So, uh, you know, come conference tournament, watch. There's at least going to be one or two teams that have underachieved during the regular season and wouldn't get to the tournament without it. But, you know, they may go on a run and win the conference tournament just to be able to punch their ticket. So, uh, it's going to be real interesting, you know, over these next uh, over these next couple of weeks between now and and selection Sunday to see who pulls, you know, who is able to punch a ticket, who gets left out, who's on the bubble, and all that. Uh, so stay tuned because it gets it's going to get really exciting. And and just just for you, I, I was watching that game too. It just wasn't in the top twenty five. They both aren't ranked. So I'm reading from the top twenty five. Incredible ending. And the wild part about that Michigan State Iowa game, uh, the player that was at the line, uh, they call his nickname is Smooth, and his percentage at the free throw line is immaculate. He hits the first to push it to three. He misses the second, and I'm at the edge of my seat. Like if they hit a three. They hit the three to force overtime, and it, the momentum was in the building for Iowa. Uh, once they got in overtime, Michigan State had – that was an uphill battle with no legs, and, and Iowa ends up winning that matchup. Um, North Carolina got to the national championship game. They did not win it last year. Kansas did win it. So I get what you're trying to say, but they still have a lot of young talent there, but they do have some veterans there that they could get it done too. But they did beat a Virginia team that's ranked high enough in the top 25, so that's a respected win. Hopefully North Carolina can crack the top 25 uh, come around this week. If not, they're going to have to make a lot of effort to close out conference play and definitely in the conference tournament to at least get to the semifinals or the finals so they can get a respective position uh, in the tournament, uh, uh, hopefully. But, again, like I said, the parity has been there across the board, and they're not even taking teams like North Carolina light. They aren't. Gonzaga's not sitting in the top ten. Like Teams are actually making it tough for Gonzaga at this point in time, too. And that could be because of the potential that Mark Few has been out. 
to start the season, so on and so forth, but there's still a team that you have to worry about or concern yourself with at the end of the day. Okay. Oh, TP, so, I saw an interesting stat on Gonzaga yesterday, and I had not didn't know this. They are the first team, I want to say that it's read the first team in history to have 16 straight 25-win seasons. I mean, people can talk about uh, being in a bad conference or whatever else, but uh, regardless of whatever conference you're in or whatever, man, if you've put together 16 straight years of 25-plus wins, uh, that's impressive. Again, Mark Mark Few was an immaculate coach. The the big stamp on him is he got to win a national championship. Everybody talks crap about where he's positioned. Uh, being in the northwest region of the United States, they're going to face formidable foes, so on and so forth. But they always have the edge because a lot of the All-American all athletes go there. But he has to win a national championship. He's been there several times and fallen short. Um, I think his best time was up against Baylor, but Baylor, I feel like they punched him in the mouth and they got bullied uh, from start to finish. But nevertheless, Mark Few has been there. For him to actually have this type of run from where he is is incredible in itself. I, I can't take much away from Mark Few. I hope he could get a better job than being out there. But then again, I don't want him to take away from all that he set up in Gonzaga and never bringing one back and had talent and potential after potential. I'm, I can remember as far back to like Adam Morrison and probably before then, uh, for this guy to be one dead-arm shooter and came to the league and really couldn't do much. But a good amount of players have left Gonzaga and come into the NBA. Roni Turioff, um, Suggs right now, like this talent, especially in Oklahoma City, I can't wait for him to get healthy and Chet Holmgren. So he's respectively, uh, you know, done his thing while he's been the, the man at the head of the ship out there in, in Washington. Well, Gonzaga out there. But you get it, the Northwest region. Okay, so moving right along and um, – I'm try to do this the best that I can. Uh, the calling number again, 929-477-2759. Man, I got to kind of save these situations for last. I'm going to go through the scoreboard, and um, I, I, I kind of feel like the theme is uh, buzzer beaters. So the first game we have are the Toronto Raptors went into Detroit winning that matchup 95-91, to Pascal Siakam. The All-Star had 29 points, 8 rebounds, 3 steals. Uh, Bagley had a 21-point effort and 18 rebounds in a losing effort. People, if you did not watch this game or seen any highlights, please watch the move that Pascal Siakam put on a player from Detroit. He made him fall clean. It did not look pretty. It did not look uh, – basketball, I'm telling you, did not look pretty. Uh, the next matchup I have, the Charlotte Hornets win that matchup up against the Miami Heat winning their game 108-103. to 103. Uh, Tyler Harrell had 33 points and seven rebounds in a losing effort. Uh, Williams, the former center from Duke, has an 18-point night with 20 rebounds uh, in Charlotte. Uh, after the math, uh, Jimmy Butler said he's tired of losing. And the way that he looked, he looked tired, stressed, and really didn't want to talk to anybody. But he was really – he looked like one of those Rasheed Wallace moments where it's like, I don't want to answer anybody, but I'm going to do it so I don't face a fine. But I could tell he's mad about it. But he was you're a little upbeat about having Kevin Love there and what Kevin Love can change. So they're kind of learning this on the fly at the end of the season. So we will see how the Heat turns this around and kind of get away from the losing ways that they're dealing with at this point in time. The Indiana Pacers win their matchup up against the Magic, 121 to 108. Uh, Miles Turner had 24 points and eight rebounds and. Wagner, the younger one, Franz, had uh, 
21 points and six rebounds in a losing effort, and this was in Orlando. The New York Knicks, if you guys aren't paying attention, these guys are actually playing well. The Knicks win their matchup up against the New Orleans Pelicans, 128-106. to 106. Uh, Richardson, in a losing effort, had 16 points and four rebounds. Uh, Julius Randle had 28 points and seven rebounds in a winning effort. And the Knicks, I, uh, it's funny that Thibodeau is hanging on to Derrick Rose. They scream for them to get Derrick Rose in the game. They got Derrick Rose in the game. If you want to get a goosebump feeling watching Derrick Rose get into that game and watching the guard give a standing ovation for this guy to come in for the last two minutes, like, why Why are they doing this to Derrick Rose? Like, this guy can't play, and they, they put him in, and the whole crowd was screaming and cheering for him to get some play. So the Knicks are at a high, especially with Derrick Rose coming in at the end of the game, like cigar moment. But I got to give the Knicks their credit for pulling this one off up against a Pelican team that's pretty tough at the point in time. They were 500 before the game, now they're 30 and 31. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies blow out the Denver Nuggets, being a number one seed in the West, 112 to 94. Jokic has a 15 point, 13 rebound effort in a losing matter. And John Moran has 23 points and seven rebounds, uh, winning this game in Memphis. Uh, the Spurs lose their matchup up against the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are slowly turning this thing around, especially after the All Star break, where they were sitting be- behind the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now they are past them. Uh, so can the, the power forward for San Antonio had 22 points and six rebounds in a losing effort. Lori Markkinen had a 27 point effort winning this game in Salt Lake City. Lori Markkinen is slowly moving up this leaderboard to be one of the powerhouses in the league right now. I would try to say MVP, but he can't because the Jazz have fallen so many seeds in the West, but he does have them relevant sitting at 31 and 31 in a jam packed Western Conference. Saving the best for last, last but not least, the Boston Celtics go into Philadelphia and knock off the 76ers 110-107. This was decided by a damn near buzzer beater by Jason Tatum. Uh, there's five seconds left on the clock. Missoula sets up a play. Marcus Smart grabs the ball. As soon as he grabs it, he just turns to Jason Tatum, leaves a bounce pass in front of him. He just stopped on a dime at the top of the key, pulls up for three, hits it with a second left on the clock. Philly has no timeouts. They throw the ball to Embiid. You're like, what? Why would you give Embiid the ball at this point in time? Embiid gets the ball and heaves it from damn near full court, but three-quarter court. That's what they're calling it. He hits the three. They run the replay back. The ball is still in his palm when the buzzer rings. And it's like, oh, my goodness. It was like this game, you didn't want this game to end. It's like the pandemonium in basketball with all these buzzer beaters. Tatum's buzzer beater to Embiid's, you know, Shorter time on the clock, buzzer beater, and you had to see the heave Embiid did. He threw it like it was a shot put, and his everything was in there. He just looked at the ball, just like do what you need to do, and he hit it. And it was no time on the clock, and he knew it, and he just walked straight off the floor. But just the effort that these guys have at this point in time is absolutely nuts. I I, I love it. I, I can't run away from the adrenaline and the the push that these guys give in this sport to to tell you the honest truth. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the scores or some of the games across the board that you'd like to discuss? Yeah, man, like you know, Boston wins in in Philly. That's a that's a huge um, win for them to kind of remain at top right now of the Eastern Conference. It's going to be interesting to see how those continue to shake out. Obviously, you have um, those two teams and Milwaukee. You know, all kind of buying for. Eastern Conference supremacy, you know, 
it's been real interesting to see like sort of the fallout from all these different trades and things that have happened. Um, obviously, a, a lot of lots of movement and lots of action from teams in the West. Um, and then, you know, so some of these uh, Eastern Conference teams still reminding you with their performances, you know, like we're still going to be heard from or, you know what I mean, like here and relevant. So, uh, you know, San Antonio has now dropped uh, 16 in a row. So kind of tough uh, sledding there for for a Pops crew. As far as the uh, Utah Jazz go, man, like, once again, this team's overachieved. Uh, no matter how they end up finishing, uh, this team was, you know, everybody said just kind of, uh, you know, people really thought they were going to be one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the league uh, this year after a lot of the moves that they had made um, and all the picks that they've acquired. Uh, but they've actually, probably, you know, surpassed expectations of what some people thought for them. It's going to be an interesting, you know, an interesting race out there. But just looking around uh, at at the other scores you mentioned, like you're right, man. I mean, it's just basketball is just entertaining right now. If you can't be entertained watching the NBA right now, you don't have much of a pulse. That's that's all I can tell you. And not just, you know, the entertainment. It's just like the parody is here. Okay, so, like, looking at the standards, right, and uh, and I'm biased because I'm a Western Conference guy. If you don't know me, I'm a Thunder guy, right? Okay, so looking at the standings in the Western Conference, and this pulls up slowly for me right now, but just, just vibe with me from the, I think it's the 11th seed. I want to make sure I say this correctly. Yeah, so close. So yeah, from, we the, from the 11th, no, 12th. 13. Okay, the Lakers sit at 13th. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. from first place, they're 13 and a half back, right? But from, mm-hmm. this is crazy, from the fourth seed, the Suns sit at fourth. Before Kevin Durant gets there, they are nine back. So you mean to tell me there's a four and a half gap from four to 13? Forget 11. Forget 11. Forget right. outside Portland is still a threat. And the Lakers are a threat right now while they have the trade. And everybody feels like not only are the Lakers a threat, they they feel like they could position themselves to get to the six, and it's there. Not to say that it isn't because the Lakers don't look like themselves, but it's like we have to see if that camaraderie comes to play right now. And I really, to me, I was looking at it differently. I was like, I don't feel like the Lakers can make the run. But right now, LeBron has a good team around him. And for him to break such an immaculate record, I don't think the the NBA would want the season to end like that for LeBron, for him to have back-to-back seasons under 500 and not make the playoffs. I feel like the Lakers got to push in them. If they don't, they have to blow that up. They got to bring some pieces in there that have to get better. I don't think they sit on majority of that. They they got to get rid of a lot of those pieces. Unless uh, Ham could, you know, tell Palenka, hey, keep, keep this group around. I feel like we could get better next season. But with the addition of some of these pieces across the board, hell, looking at the Sacramento Kings, they're sitting at third, and they're seven games back, and they're still somewhat in this picture because from the Lakers to them, they're six and a half back, and there's like uh, around like 21 games left. So a lot of things can happen if Sacramento starts to lose their way, but I have to give Mike Brown a ton of credit for what he's been able to do to get this job and have them sitting atop the Western Conference, or, or one of the top four seeds at least, 
is incredible in itself. But um, you, you're not used to seeing it look like this. From 1 to 8, it goes Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, Clippers, Dallas, Minnesota, then Utah is now the AC. Golden State is now sitting at 9, just now getting the 500, 30 and 30. And the Pelicans are sitting there at 30 and 31 at the 10th seed where everybody's nipping and clawing to try to catch them. The Thunder is at 11, right behind them. The Blazers are sitting behind the Thunder because the tiebreaker goes to the Thunder because they've beaten the Blazers twice. And, the, again, the Lakers are 13th seed out west. Um, like I say, I give respect to the Eastern Conference for what they've been able to do throughout the season, but I look at that as Wizard of Oz and the Yellow Brick Road. The Western Conference is the Affinity War. And Donald's got the fifth stone. Like, somebody can end up snapping and losing their life out here. Um, from and I'm looking at and see it's bad 11, 12, 13 in the east it's like you really feel like they don't have a shot to get there yeah. even though Chicago sitting at 11 they're a game and a half back from the Washington Wizards I really feel like the Wizards may fall off even though they do have you know Porzingis and, and Bill so on and so forth I'm just not impressed with the Wizards I, I feel like they, they made a bad move giving Bill all of that money and uh, they're not able to put a good product out there on the floor. But I can't take too much away from what's going on in the East, credibly so, but compared to what's going on in the West, it's like every night you want to see how these scores go down in the Western Conference. You know, you you look at that, uh, West TP, and you look at the, at the top of it, and you said, you know, Denver and then Memphis. That's a good statement when for uh, Memphis yesterday winning pretty handily against Denver. But both of these teams, <laughs> one of the things that makes the West so interesting is uh, both of these teams have not really, uh, the two teams that are atop the West right now, neither one of these teams have proven anything really uh, in the postseason, right? Like, okay, uh, Memphis competed well in the second round last year against Golden State. Uh, Denver made it to the conference finals in the bubble, right? Like, but other than that, like neither one of these teams have been able to translate regular season success into the postseason um, for, for different reasons. Memphis being young, uh, Denver not really having the pieces around Joker. Now they maybe have a little bit more with Murray healthy and, and other guys, but um you know, that's the crazy thing when you look at how close, and then, like you said, Sacramento three, right? Like, so then you start looking Phoenix on down four through 13. This could very easily be a year that you have a six or seven seed uh, come out of the West into the Western Conference Finals, or maybe even represent the West in the uh, in the NBA Finals. You just... I don't really have any idea how it's going to shake out. And then you're looking at Minnesota at eight. They just dropped a game at home um, on Friday night, a game that was probably should have been a very winnable game for them. Um, you know, looking down the stretch, like, <laughs> you know, the, like you said, the West is a war zone. If you start looking at, like, the remaining games on these team schedules, they, nobody has an easy road. So it's going to be real interesting to see. You know, who can hold serve at home, who can win a few games that maybe they're not necessarily favored in to see how these seeds shake out. You know, the Lakers go to Dallas today, but it's just, uh, you know, it, it's going to be real interesting. It's going to be a bloodbath down the stretch. And then looking at the addition of some of these teams, like looking at Kyrie go to Dallas, 
uh, looking at the Lakers picking up Beasley and D'Angelo Russell, and now with the addition of Russell Westbrook to the Clippers, I'm not going to lie, even over the one-game sample with Russell Westbrook, Russ looked like the old Russ right there playing with the Clippers. He fit right in. They did end up losing the game because he fouled out. And Paul George, I I um, I feel bad, NBA, that they are robbing us. I understand that they're trying to be safe, but they took Paul George out for minute restrictions to for, you know, his health and, and how his body's been hurt, you know. But the game is on the line. Like, he, he could play. Like, let him jog it out. Don't overexert yourself. He knows what he's doing. Like, you'd rather lose the game. Like, that's, that's one thing that I'm worried about with the Tyron Lue situation and, and load managing as much as possible. Because this is what everybody has a black eye on basketball about. And Kobe Bryant was talking about God rest his soul before he passed away. It's like, come on, give me a break. Like, I get it. Like, there's people up here spending hard on their money to watch you play, and you're going to sit out while the game is on the line and, and lose. Like, especially in L.A., I, I don't get it. And especially the game that happened that I'm talking about was up against the Sacramento Kings who are sitting atop the Western Conference. Like, prove yourself. Prove that you, you're ready to do this. And that's the one beat that I have about the load management and the guy that I'm speaking about with Paul George. Paul George, enough is enough. They've been guarding you as best as possible uh, to stay away from all of the, you know, melee and all of the talk that the tabloids and media has been able to say. You have talent and potential to go out there and help this team win you rather survive watching Russ come there, foul out, and Kawhi's out there on his own going to war up against one of the top three teams in the Western Conference. Give me a break. I'm not I'm not buying that at all. But that game was incredible. What the second highest scoring game in NBA history, uh, where one possession game decided it. And for I think it was one seventy six to one seventy five, the Clippers were up five at that point in time and ended up losing the game by one at this point in time. Incredible. I'm, I'm talking basketball. I'm, it's, you can't beat it. Um, Mike, your thoughts on that situation that they had, especially uh, the Clippers and especially with the key additions with, just like I said, Kyrie going to Dallas. You're, you know, you just mentioned that the Lakers will be playing Dallas. If Dallas can actually pull it up against a good team that's trying to fight their way into this thing. Um, you can speak about the moves if you like. You know, looking at, uh, we talked about this on a couple of different shows uh, on on the Sports City Chefs Network. I thought that the Clippers would be a a decent landing spot for Russ. I think you and I on a Sunday morning talked about a couple of different places, and I think the, the two places that we thought would be the most likely for him would be either Miami or across the hall with the Clippers. And, you know, he's got some familiarity with Paul George and some of those guys. And I mean, at the end of the day, he can push the ball. He can run with these guys. Um, you know, he had 14 assists that night. I think he really fits what they want to do. Um, you know, if he's willing to accept the role needed. And I think that uh, him and Teron Lou can communicate and uh, and work well together. So, uh, you know, hey, like this uh, – I hope Russ can be. I hope Russ can be successful and and maybe uh, maybe come out from under the gun a little bit with what he does there. Uh, you know, looking at what a fantastic game uh, that was as far as just back and forth uh, with the Clippers the other night. Like once again, how how can you not be entertained, uh, man? Second highest scoring game in history. It's crazy to think, though, in the highest scoring game, there were so fewer three pointers thrown up. 
I forget. I saw the number the other day, and I think it was like four or five threes. And in the game that passed it, I think it was a 1990 game that involved Denver or 89 or something like that. I saw the numbers the other day, and I got COVID brain this week, bro. So just trying to piece it all together. Thank you for pulling me out of the, my mistakes a couple of times, but. No, man, like, it, it's just going to be so much fun to see, you know, how these guys, uh, how these guys mesh together, you know, uh, Kyrie and, uh, Kyrie and Luca trying to figure it out. Now the, the roster change in LA, they got a few pieces around LeBron AD that maybe kind of fit more what that roster should look like anyway. So it'll be interesting to see. I expect Dallas to win today, but, it, it, um, these are games that you know any of these teams, especially if you're trying to move up in the standings, you gotta you gotta find a way to win some of these games. So uh, it's it's definitely going to be entertaining. It's going to be much uh, fun to watch, and you know just watching these guys, so many different changes in the West. Watching these guys try to figure it out as we go down the stretch to hopefully put together a uh, you know a finished product or a complete product come playoff time. Uh, must see TV. Okay, so we are at the tail end of the show. You know, thank you for everybody that's been paying attention to seeing what we've been doing. Mike, I need a plug, close out, shout out, anything that you'd like to promote as we get ready to shut the doors here on the brunch. And as always, uh, sportscitychefs.com. Uh, we got all kinds of uh, articles, blogs, websites, everything. Been on a brief hiatus lately, but getting everything back together, man. Uh, thanks to you, TP, man. Without you, I wouldn't be here. Respect to the other chefs as well, man. Villain, serious. Uh, Chandler, he and I come at you on Thursday nights, roundtable gumbo. I got the callers cookout on Wednesday nights. And uh, so join us for that. We're going to be doing some baseball stuff. As uh, this is really starting to get into... Uh, full effect pitchers and catchers have reported. We've already talked about some of uh, those things happening in, in the World Baseball Classic is coming up. So uh, check out all our other shows that we have going on. And uh, remember, you can also listen to us on your smart speakers and any of your podcast apps, man. So uh, just check us out. Uh, like and subscribe, man. The numbers always help. Also, the barbershop on Clubhouse, man. Continuing to grow, have spaces and rooms up, so uh, come be part of that community if you would like to. Don't forget phiapparel.co, phiapparel, man. Uh, Cool Philly clothing, man. Like everybody's excited in uh, in the city of brotherly love. You got uh, you got the Eagles coming off that Super Bowl run, even though they came up a little short. You got uh, you got the Sixers. Still, you know, highly contending in the uh, in the Eastern Conference, and then you know, a lot of excitement around the Phillies going into the season. So, uh, get all your your Philly apparel from there, and don't forget to use the promo code Chefs to check out for fifteen percent discount. And then, man, listen uh, for me too. This is also uh, exciting uh, on on the wrestling side of things. Conference championships come up this week, and uh, two weeks later come the uh, Come the national championship, so you know he's got to throw in a little plug for uh, got to throw in a little plug for college wrestling. Uh, so appreciate you uh, letting me do that, TP. And uh, once again, uh, COVID brain this week, man. So uh, 
Thank you for uh, thank you for correcting me along the way, and I appreciate you having me alongside, man. It's always a pr- pleasure and a privilege to be uh, to be with you on Sunday mornings, my brother. And uh, until next week, man. Uh, peace and laissez les bon temps rouler. Yeah. What's it? We gotta get him to slow down, man. He's hiccuping. He's hiccuping. I, I don't want him to go crazy, man. I got him as best as possible. As he said, pay attention to everything that we got going on throughout the week. Uh, we should be back in here with Sirius as his birthday is tomorrow, um, Tuesday. The cookout will definitely be in session Wednesday, Thursday, and, and Thursday's the brink of March. So I can't wait. I'm at the edge of my seat. This is what I love, especially after the bird months when once basketball starts getting into the full heat of things. Nothing better than the theater of basketball, quoted by Danny DeVito. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again, and if they don't know, now they know. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs. Kaboom! Sports city chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, 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 Chef,